I'd like to talk about something very specific, very particular uh, in terms of uh, biology and consciousness. Uh, I think it is not very apparent to those um, that study the sciences so rigorously um, that everything actually has an awareness of itself, it has a consciousness of itself. Um, and I think that it is important for people to begin to think a bit differently about why things are the way that they are. Once we think about why they're that way, we can see how they operate more effectively, more clearly. Um, you know, it, it's a common uh, assertion of ours that you know, th all things have some sort of, of awareness and, and, and consciousness. I mean, and some people uh, would say, I, we often give a very simple example that we've set our consciousness up in, in such a way and uh, if we had set it up in a different way we would have a different experience with reality. We always think that things are the way that they are because that's just the way that they are. However, in reality, things are the way they are because we perceive them in that way. We have as much to do with reality as reality has to do with us. <laughs> uh, it's a dynamic interplay. It's a it's a happening. It's a, something that's uh, dialectic and uh, mutual. It's re reciprocating. It's an interplay. Um, and we have set our consciousness up in such a way so that we do experience things in the ways that we do. And we take that for the norm. We take that for the way that we just are as human beings without realizing that we could actually change our human experience. We could change the way that we are. Um, and again, a, a very simple example of this is that dogs uh, hear at a certain register. They hear things um, in a register that we as human beings are, are unable. Um, dogs have very acute hearing and they, they have developed that hearing in a very particular way for very particular reasons. Uh, we, however, don't have those same needs. So we've developed in something of a different manner. And most people would hand that over to biology and say, well, that's because biologically, you know, dogs needed that enhanced sensory perception. But, uh, and we talk about it like it's something that isn't, that doesn't have a lot to do with, with consciousness itself. Uh, like it's all pure biology. But what we don't understand is that biology is uh, consciousness manifested in, in some in the physical world of phenomena. Um, so we, we, we need to recognize this. Uh, but most scientists would 
write this off immediately and say, well, in the Dawkins-like view that uh, everything has uh, you know, a certain biological purpose and function and that via evolution we're passed down certain genes that simply work. Uh, and that, you know, may be true. However, it doesn't really tell the whole story. The whole story is that let's let's take uh, that hypothesis that genes are passed down based on their their usefulness to the larger organism, and you know, and that is still at this point absolutely a hypothesis and and let's be very clear about that um, but it seems from our limited perspective on things it seems to be a pretty good one um, we have to acknowledge the fact that these genes have a a, a very unique role they have no existential crisis these genes they they do things in a very particular way, and uh, based on how well they perform, that they enhance the survival of the overall mechanism, right? Um, or at least if they're genes that are beneficial to the larger organism, that they, they will help uh, the, the survival along. Um, however, uh, we talk about them as if they are more or less unaware. Uh, and we need to change that verbiage. We need to change the way that we speak about them to, to understand the miraculousness of what they really might be doing, which is being something that is extraordinarily aware of its place, of how it functions within uh, the larger body of whatever it's propelling, and we need to see that that is its own kind of consciousness. Now, it might not be a kind of consciousness that we all enjoy, that, that ability to reason and logic and make actual uh, conscious decision, um, but it's not maybe nearly as far off as we think. Um, genes themselves have to make certain choices in order to stay alive and, and perpetuate uh, their own selves. So, and, and based on the choices that they make, based on the ways that they manifest themselves, uh, they either replicate or, or don't. And it's that happening with reality, in conjunction with reality, uh, that forms both their independent existence and helps to shape that quote-unquote objective reality beyond them. Even though there's really no such thing, of course, with, with non-objectivity being uh, something that is, is uh, the way that things work. That in other areas, but it's basically where uh, something subjective and objective coalesce, and they 
we have something that is not either. It's 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 a non. It's not subjective. It's not non. Or not objective. It's non-objective. But anyways, um, genes have to. Uh, uh, well, genes help to dictate uh, and write the story of of reality. Um, and doing so, they they do have some sort of conscientious awareness. Now, going back, I've had a couple of false starts in, in talking about this, but the very simple example of all of this is, um, I mean, there are all sorts of examples of how our mind sets itself up uh, in a way that we then come to interpret as the, the way it, it must be. Um, but it's not the way that it must be. We could have evolved like dogs if, in terms of our hearing. So that wasn't necessary for us. Um, but again, this is a conscious choice for for us as a, as a species. Um, maybe we didn't exactly choose it per se. Uh, we didn't say, we didn't, it wasn't as obvious as, you know, what outfit do we like, the red or the blue one? It was something much deeper than that, um, that was done over a much larger period of time, much longer period of time, uh, over much, many more sample sizes is that we chose not to need that kind of hearing um, through the actions that we, we took. And those actions that we took then dictated our biological needs, right? <laughs> because our survival did not depend uh, on having excellent hearing, or at least not to that caliber. We could make the conscious choice to have something slightly less and focus energies in other areas. Um, I would think, and again, I'm no biologist, but I would think that the energies uh, that we chose to channel, and again, look at how if we, we talk about this as uh, different forms of energy, we begin to think differently about it. But I, I tend to think that our energies were shifted more into our a logical reasoning minds uh, and place less emphasis on those the biological uh, physiological reactionary happenings of, of the body um, so again we, we made these choices uh, it, it, uh, certainly not in the, the way that you choose you know coffee or tea but we, we made these choices in a very conscious manner, um, even though we didn't maybe know exactly what we were choosing through our actions. But this is why our actions are so vitally important, uh, and, and our choices are so vitally important. Uh, and it, it, we need to see in a very, very real way the fact that if we change the way that we speak about something, um, then we change uh, the way that we think about it, and if we change the way that we think about it, we change the way that we experience it, and if we change the way that we experience it, 
we change our actions and we change our realities because those realities are then altered uh, uh, through the way that we now, in a holistic way, interact with uh, it on every level, you know, speech, physical, uh, thought. It, we have a totally different approach to things. And you can say something similar uh, going in reverse. If we change the way that we interact with something, we'll change the way that uh, we experience it, and if we change the way that we experience it, we'll change the way that we think about it, and if we change the way that we think about it, we'll change the way that we speak about it, and then we'll maybe start to, to change, again, that reality from, from that angle as well. You know, there's no one right way to, to talk about something, there's no one right way to, to think, to act with it's we're so in dependent on our individuality our individuality is so important just like the selfish gene we're all individual we, we, we all have a slightly different approach and we're all just a tick off from one another even we can be as you know, we can be a, a twin and born you know within 30 seconds of one another and and you're just gonna be a a tick off uh, from from that other person, regardless, and um, that's not to say that the things that we do um, are always going to be so special and and unique, and that we uh, you know need to to be coddled and uh, proud of ourselves because there's something very powerful in realizing that we are very much one of the herd and that we are very in a way common there's something that is actually humbling gratifying and calming uh, about that that joint experience that we all do share um, however uh, there's something that's radically powerful uh, that's radically uh, poetic and and freeing as well <laughs> in the same ways and you know l look at me using the similar uh, words to describe uh, what, what, what turns out to be a, a similar happening with two different approaches right um, because it's the way it's how, how we, we think about it uh, so this is a perfect example if we think about ourselves as individuals there is something freeing just as uh, and empowering just as if we think about ourselves as as part of a, of a larger experience we get the, there's that same freeing and empowered feeling uh, that we get so again it's all a matter of perspective but I think we have to uh, acknowledge both I think that's where the the real power comes from um, is when you have that both and experience and not just this experience of oh I'm an individual or oh I'm just you know part of uh, you know the ant colony of humanity um, um, I think if you, if you keep the realization uh, about the larger picture you'll you'll always be in a better place to to see things 
uh, again, not from an objective standpoint, not from a subjective standpoint, but from this this uh, completely detached and yet participatory uh, stance of, of non-objectivity, which is something that uh, we we get through um, the realization of our own interactions with with ourselves and in watching our own selves be ourselves and in um, watching how we interact with uh, the other, the larger, the, the thing that we consider other than, even though that other than uh, or what we perceive as other is of course just an extension of ourselves and we could get very deep into how that actually is and how um, that which we perceive as something out, outside of us is an extension of what and who we actually are. Um, but uh, we want to stay, for the time being, focused on uh, the, the, this biological consciousness and this fact that you know, consciousness is is something that is um, that we need to to look at as extended to more things than um, just those uh, biological entities with you know brains and mechanical motions. Um, if if we were to see things as universally aware. Um, I, I've, uh, you know, we have, we have stated before that even the rock on the side of the mountain knows its place. It knows what it is. It knows what it sits against. It knows the wind. It has this awareness of its place, and being so, uh, has a kind of consciousness as well. It fits in perfectly with the rest of the world where we as human beings because of our conceptual fragmented minds have a very very different version of our, our situation um, and of course we've argued many many times over at this point that it is because of the the, the way that we've set up our consciousness not the way that things necessarily have to be the way that we have made them to be uh, that we we are fragmented that we are confused that we are lost that we do have this difficulty uh, with understanding ourselves and understanding reality itself so we we need to again look at the fact that if we change the ways that we approach things, uh, whether that be, they be a, you know, a pattern of speech, um, uh, the, the, the thinking about the interaction with, um, on a physical or level or, 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 or any, any level, um, can we change, change the way you talk? It'll change the way you think, you change the way you think, you'll change the experience, you change the experience, you change the reality. Um, and it's that reality that is in true jeopardy uh, right now because of the way that we talk about things. We, we have separated ourselves from the, the soul of things as they are. We have detached our own consciousness from the larger happening of consciousness itself. And there is quite a bit to be said.
about the larger happening of consciousness. Um, we don't want to show ourselves the reality. We, we don't want to see it. We don't, we, for whatever reason, have set our minds up or rather conceptualization has fooled us into setting our minds up in such a way that we do not look at conscious at, at how the universe itself is conscious in, in the most real way imaginable and we are simply a, a part of that consciousness we, we fragment we segment things up into this uh, biological understanding and and couch it in a way that it, it has to be uh, either this or that. It, it, we have to talk about things uh, from a scientific perspective as if there was no room for something spiritual uh, that we, we consider spiritual. Uh, I don't think we should even even cons even break it up into that deep of a distinction between spiritual and and scientific or all like it, the spiritual and scientific are just are just concepts. They're just different labels. They're just different words to describe uh, the same happening, which is what the fuck is. It's only what is that matters. It's, our description of it is absolutely moot. It's absolutely um, not important to the happening, except that we, by experiencing it interject ourselves into the experience and into the happening itself which then of course influences the reality of that happening and, and furthermore the reality of that which that happening is connected to in, in the largeness of phenomena itself so we, we need to understand again how important our comprehension is how important our participation in consciousness is how important it is to understand what is how important it is to to sit back realize the happening let it be and and, and just simply observe it and by observing it we're actually giving it life because as we have stated many times which is probably the most powerful argument for the existence of what old language and old tradition has called a god is that you cannot have a thing without perception of that thing <laughs> it is impossible to have um, so if we can sit back if we can observe if we can let be then we are giving birth to that thing's existence by our mere perception of it and in that there is some sort of real alchemy if you were to truly understand the, the ramifications of that there is something that is again and I hate to to use this word um, empowering as if that's the end game because it, it is not, it should not be. However, uh, it, there is something alchemistic about the uh, participatory action between 
oneself and the reality it, it, it observes in that non-objective, that coruscant happening, coruscant of course meaning um, the, the convergence of oneself with, with reality, uh, with verity or whatever we might be calling this. Um, the, the, this, this reality at this point here in July of 2016 is still yet unnamed however um, there is something magical and empowering and freeing about removing one's ideas removing one's attachment and emotions to happening and that doesn't mean that we have to remove our personal feelings per se it means we have to watch them and understand why we have them and understand ultimately in in faith um, but if we understand reality there's actually no real need for faith because we understand that we are a part of that larger happening of consciousness which is also an act of love which we will get into uh, in, in a, another topic in another way but consciousness and love are, are, are two sides of, of the same coin uh, when both are expounded in their truest and most pure forms uh, again, they're just two different words to describe the same, the same happening. Um, it's acceptance, it's it's giving, it's uh, it's what is. So consciousness is that which is freeing. Consciousness is that which is something biologically. Non-biologically non isolated. That is, it's something that is very much a part of of what we call biology, and we need to acknowledge that in order to have a true understanding of what all of this is, and what our relation to it really might ultimately be.